Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires and this, the Fullness of Time teaching series. We would love to invite you to come and join us at church. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at Revival Fires in Dudley. Come and join us. We know that God has got a plan just for you. Thank you, church. I love you too. I genuinely, absolutely do. Uh, God's called Ryan and I to to church ministry, and uh, this is us. I've got three. We've got three children who are twelve. 10 and 7 and uh, we live here in Dudley and we lead the church alongside Trevor and Sharon who are in Newbury today and they're having a good time away with uh, some other pastor friends there at a church ministry. I want to thank you for the opportunity of speaking. I'm so glad you're here. I can see new faces. I can see friends from, they said 20 years ago and it's lovely to see you family. Uh, we're so pleased that you've come to meet God today. In the time I've been preparing this week and uh, over the past few weeks because my name got changed on various rotors and I just want to say God knows the perfect timing. He knows it for me, he knows it for you being in this very room. However you got here this morning, today is your day. So thanks for coming. God knew all about it and he'd ordained this uh, from the beginning of time. I'm going to be speaking about fullness of time. You'll have heard some of the preachers over the past few weeks uh, since January speaking about the fullness of time. And last week you were given one of those cards, the Galatians 4.4, and in, sorry, when the fullness of time had come. How does it feel with time, friends? We hear so much about it, don't we? There is just so many words that we use to describe time. You can be out of time. You can hear the time ago on the the cooker. We give our children a few moments. Well, it's more than that, isn't it? They're old. They have so many minutes that they're allowed to go on their phones. And when the ping is up, time's up. Maybe you've heard the word second time. Time for change. Time for something new. Time's up. It's about time. Where are you in the timeline of God? The message I'm about to bring to you has been confirmed even this morning by one of our friends. She said last night she woke up with a dream and she didn't know what it meant until we'd had our prayer time this morning. This is for you guys. Uh, What she was dreaming was that she had a clock and it had lost its face. It had got no numbers and it had got no time. Uh, the, The hour, minute and second hands were gone and she in the dream was searching for them. And in that time she felt when she awoke, God said, it's not man's time that governs you. It's God. It's God's timing that governs you. And let get on his timeline. Are there those of you this morning who want to get on the timelines of God? Yes, mate. Yes, we got to. Yes. I just feel like today is your day to line up with God. I'll ask you again. Do you want to get into the timings of God? Yes, you're with me. That's all I prayed. We're on it. Let's go. So um, about me, I love baking. I love cooking. I love eating. I love drinking coffee. We could go on. Like I'll go through my menu. I'm really real. I want you to go away from here knowing that you've got more of God's fullness in your life. Is that okay? That's all I prayed for you. So that's what God is going to do. Where are you today? What timeline are you on? What have you been saying about yourself? Have you said you're half empty? Have you said you might be tired or worn out? Have you said you've only got a little bit or nothing left to give? You're in good company in the Bible because there were so many stories where that was said. And what did God do faithfully 
multiplied situations. So wherever you are, in whatever situation you're saying, I've got nothing except. And you'll have heard of the lady who had nothing except a little bit of oil. And what did God do? Supernaturally supplied enough to pay off all of her debts. Wherever you are financially, God has enough to supply every single one of those payments. Oh, I love you guys. Yes, pull it down. It's for you and it's available today. In John 10.10, it says, I have come to give you life and all of its abundance. What kind of life does that mean? Absolutely full to the top. You know, when we're about to go food shopping, the fridge gets empty. It's so, I can give it a quick clean, really. But when you come back home and you've got your shopping bags and you fill the fridge... The children love it. Ryan loves it. We come in, they're like, oh, the fridge is full. Do you know that feeling? Even if you've got like five cauliflowers in the bottom shelf, it still looks really good, doesn't it? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but you know when that, that feeling of being full, you've gone for a really good meal and you feel full. You've been with your friends, you've had a really good time together, or you've gone for however fills your tank. You, have, you are coming back feeling full. You worship God. Didn't you feel it this morning when heaven came down? It was as though my spirit was so full. And then I just want to lead you to getting those moments of fullness wherever you are. So that's what life of abundance looks like. It looks like a life of more than enough. I see so often um, on Instagram, especially, people put these little phrases, you are enough. And I woke up the other morning and I said to Ryan, is that okay? Are we enough? <laughs> I know I've hit your Instagrams, haven't I? Your Facebook feeds, your, your memes. Are you enough? And I just felt like, actually, by myself, I'm not enough. Because God is my more than enough. So when you're thinking, have I got enough? How, am I running out? Personally, you will. But with God, our unending supply, with him, our fullness, our provider, our absolute supplier of everything, we will have more than enough and you will have more than enough so that you can step into the fullness of God today. I'm just going to backtrack on a miracle that I read about in the Bible when Jesus is about to feed the 5,000 Right before that, so we're in Matthew 14, right before that, it says, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew. Starting a story with something that didn't relate to the story, you know how I love a good story, I had to jump back a verse, I had to jump back a few chapters, and I figured out, and you can all figure it too if you go to Matt 13, Jesus had just heard some devastating news, but what did he do? before a massive miracle happened. And it's this story I want to use to pin my points on so that you can walk away with whatever you face, being reminded that Jesus also was filled with the Spirit and could face anything just like you can too when you're filled with him. So we backtrack and it was the death of John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist? Well, well, the fullness of time had come, Mary... Jesus' mom was having Jesus in her tummy. What happened? She had to keep it a secret. But when she met Elizabeth, who was carrying 
John the Baptist. The babies leaped in the womb. Moms, you've been pregnant? You know what that feels like, a kick? But I can't imagine it being like a literal, made the mom leap in. Why was that important? Because Mary had to keep quiet. And it was only when she was with somebody, with Elizabeth, they could celebrate what God was doing. So you could say the friendship of um, Jesus and John began in the womb. You've got friends you've known a long time. My girls have got friends who they've known since similar, haven't you? (laughs) So we know what it is to have a very good friend. Jesus had just heard the news that John the Baptist had been killed in prison. John, a, a friend in ministry, was no longer there to be with Jesus. And it was at that point Jesus retreated and found a boat. It was momentary. There was only moments before the crowds found him. What was it that Jesus did in that moment where he, was, he had to find a, search out silence for himself? He met with his father. The Holy Spirit, the great comforter, met with Jesus. You know, friends, there'll be situations you've already been through or situations you're going through. And you, it might be a loss of a friend. It might be another kind of loss. When you retreat, make sure you retreat into the arms of God. Make sure you find that place of comfort in God rather than any other inferior pleasure. Why? (laughs) Because if you retreat to inferior pleasures, they're the ones that get you addicted, unhealthy, disappointed. But you retreat into the arms of God. You retreat to the Holy Spirit. What do I mean? I mean you find that moment in God. And in that moment, he begins to restore you. So we find Jesus there and the crowds find him. He has to get off the boat. He begins to see people who are sick, people who are infirm. And it says at that moment, he was filled with a great compassion. This story is minutes apart. He withdrew to a desolate place. He's filled with great compassion. Do you go that quick in your timings of emotions? I need to, that's for sure. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You can go from that piece of devastating news to full of compassion. That feels supernatural. That feels like a total turnaround where sometimes we can hear devastating things. We can get caught in a moment. We can lose our sense of time. But fall back into the arms of God. Could you do that? Could you find yourself full instead of retreating to the inferior things? So God's timing is perfect. And we find that because Jesus is full. And then he's preaching all day. And you know my dad, you know he could preach all day. And the disciples came and they say, Jesus, the people are hungry. And Jesus says, sort it out. Oh, but there's no 24-7. There's no Tesco Express. What are we going to do? It's way, way back in time, isn't it? There's a a big sardine industry, I've heard. And there were some very big fish. They were about this big. Where's our fisher friends? Ryan, where's your tribe of fishers? Oh, there they are. (laughs) These days, we do one hook, one fish type fishing. Back then, they were doing massive, massive nets which I can only imagine are about the size of that black cloth we use for our chairs. Huge nets to pull in the hall. Where am I going? So, Jesus, 
has been approached by his disciples. The people are hungry. Not yet hungry, are we? We're all right. What's happening? Jesus says, bring to me what we've got. But we've only got a very small amount of fish. We've only got the tiniest bit of bread. And in that moment, Jesus says, let me have them. Right now, I don't need to eat. I don't need to feed 5,000 people. But you know what that means to us? Whatever we've got, whatever is in our hand, whatever we feel is the little bit or the bit left over, Jesus says to you this morning, let me have them. Whatever trouble, whatever concern, whatever situation or family you're going through, let me have them. And that, sorry, I feel like the microphone's going back and forth. Maybe you can't hear it. And it's in that moment that God takes over. When you hold it all before him, absolutely nothing is wasted. So God knows your every moment. God's timing is absolutely perfect. Whatever's gone before, whatever's about to come, here and now, in the right now, God's timing is perfect. Sometimes our expectations aren't, though. Have you heard yourself or caught someone saying, I thought it was going to turn out like that? You have. Have you heard someone say, I'd had such great expectations, but it turned out to be so average? You know, when you've got such high hopes of a situation and you're looking forward with anticipation and then it comes and it's a bit like, oh, you know, that's when we're not quite living in the fullness of joy because we should. And God's promise to us is that we can enjoy every single moment of our life. And I'll be honest with you, there's moments I don't enjoy. There's moments that are hard. There's moments that where we're limited. There's moments of lack. But God wants to turn your struggle into a blessing. I want to tell you a story when we moved to Dudley. Uh, we lived in a cute little village down the road where there's a, a cricket pitch in the middle. It was all I'd ever dreamed of to move there until I found the house we live in now. <laughs> And if you know us, we get things done pretty quick. We saw this house, we bought the house, and moved in within six weeks. Our friend, who turned out to be a class teacher of our son, came to me after school one day and he said, she said, I noticed your house is going on the market. I'm like, it is? I haven't been home yet. She's like, yeah, the sign's up. We didn't even know how fast this whole thing was going to happen. And she said, do you mind if I come around and buy it? I was like, no, okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, when the timings of God are lined up, there's real joy in it. You know, we moved into that house, Ryan, that was on the Wednesday. Then Ryan went to India on the Sunday for a couple of weeks. In those few days he was gone, I began to wonder what on earth I'd done. My friends were gone. You know, in in Wombourne... (laughs) My friends were literally across the road, down the road, around the corner. Here, and I'll tell you about the colour of the house. Well, the carpets were green and the walls were orange. That wasn't the styling we were going for. It's all changed now and it looks so nice. But you know when you hope of something and then you suddenly have a realisation, my husband's away, 
My parents are away. My children are in a new school. And it's not that easy. It was tough. But was it everything I wanted and thought God had for me? Yes. Do you know this? I want to call it the tension. People talk of the tension of the cross. You know where it's on a point? There's a place where it meets in the middle. And when we find ourselves at the center of God's will... That is where the tension is worked out. It's when you're off to the side or not quite sure, that's when you feel the pull to the left, to the right, and that's when the joy starts to run out. So God's timing is perfect, but when we wonder or we get lost in the waiting, we start to wonder. Have you found your place there? Have you thought, God, is this really something you've planned for me? I thought it was, but now I'm here. (gasps) Is it really that? Let me tell you. Let doubt go and let God fill you. Why? Because fear is a really good friend, but he ruins your life. (laughs) I'd got a fear. When I was 18, I did English English literature for my A-level. And there was a story we read called Child in Time, and it was great. But there was one paragraph about somebody being taken from somebody. I've got a daughter in the room, but you can go know where I'm going, can't you? That planted a little seed of fear in my heart. Something bad could happen if you're a mum. This seed began to grow and began to grow. Remember at 18, I had no children. I wasn't even married, but I'd got a seed. I didn't even allow it into my heart. I didn't even plant it. I didn't water it. It just landed there. There's seeds that might have been planted in your minds. You don't know how they got there, but they've started to grow. If you think back to some of your fears or even in getting here this morning or how how your day's gone, how your week's gone, small fears can grow whether you water them or not. But God. So my fear meant that it started to grow when I became a mom. It grew pretty big. I have a little boy, well, when he was little, he ran away from nursery. I was there, and this was before I could run, so it was, it was quite a few years ago. And he started to run. Their primary school, as all primary schools are, are on very busy roads. All I could think was, chase Ben, chase Ben, grab Ben. My mind just went for it, and I grabbed him. I didn't even know what happened to my very little girl in the buggy. I had great friends who would have held them, or the teachers would have run out and helped me there. My fear that planted at age 18 had become so massive. He hadn't even gone that far. But I'd recreated so many situations, and I'd started to live it. Have you done that with fears before? Where they've taken you down, can we say a dodgy track? (laughs) You've created a situation that you've started to live and it's started a fear cycle in your life. You know what can change that? Jesus. How? Ask him to get to the root. It was only recently, actually this week, I figured out the root was in that book that I was reading when I was 18. God's so faithful that if you give him the time, if you say, God, this is something, this moment is destroying me, and you'll know when it's a, something's got a root of fear, you'll start to feel anxious or stressed, or you'll take it out on somebody, or you'll just feel a bit irked. Those are the moments that God wants to fill you with joy so that you can live 
full, full of joy, but full of peace. Wouldn't that be a good way to live? So when I began to ask God to to unwind, to rewire this part of my heart, oh, I'm I'm not going to be stupid and let my children go and run across roads or anything like that. But the relief I felt afterwards was I've raised my children in such a way. We've raised them to hold our hands on busy roads. We've raised them to go in. We've raised them to obey, to hear our voice and stay close by. And I felt like God said, can you trust me, Anna? Yes, I'll I'll try. Can you trust me with your big fears, Anna? Yes, God, I'll try. Which day by day, in me trying in my own human way, God's fullness has filled me. And fear on that situation has gone. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I was the mom who'd uh, call the school to double check that children were in. You know, when it gets a bit out of control and you think, oh, this is actually weird, but I need God to help. And he's done that. He's so good. He's so faithful. He knows what time you're in and he knows the moment you're in and he wants you to enjoy your moment. In 2 Corinthians 10, I want to read to you some teachings of Paul. Remember, he's one of the apostles. He's a a, He's got so many books. I think he's got nine books. He wrote so many things about what, how to live a Christian life. I find such truth and joy in his writings. And I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians 10. And I want to tell you how you can enjoy your every moment. Where you can stop running and start fulfilling what God has for you. If we pick up from verse 13. I don't know if you've got your books or your phones or how you're going to do it, but let's, I'll read it to you and then I'll pull out the points. Is that cool? But we will not boast beyond limits. Sorry, that's the last bit. We'll start at verse seven. Look at what's before your eyes right now in the here and now, your moment. If anyone is confident that he's Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building up, I'll not be ashamed. I don't want to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say about me, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we'll not boast beyond limits. We'll boast only with regard to the area of influence that God has assigned to us to reach even you. For we're not overextending ourselves as though we didn't reach you. We do not boast beyond the limit, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. For it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but it's the one who the Lord commends. It starts there by saying, take every thought captive. The little fear thoughts, the things that are not quite making sense, the things where you've created an alternative story, where you've gone down a rabbit trail and you're stuck. And God says, 
Look at what's before your eyes right now. You belong to Christ. That means we're in his family. That means what Jesus, when Jesus died and he rose again, you have been bought by a price. That you have got a full salvation, which means you're going to live here on earth well, full, full of joy, full of God, and you're going to live in heaven forever, eternally with Christ. Thanks, Ryan. Then it goes on to say, you think my letters are weighty. Have you read Paul's letters? He's right. They are weighty and they're good. We were joking the other day. One of Paul's um, letters says, I've been shipwrecked. I've been in danger. I've been caught by bandits. I've been lashed. I've been in danger by someone else. I've been in danger by my own people. There's so many situations where Paul talks about where he really has had quite a trial. Have you faced a trial? Has someone said something like, You might be weak in speech. Someone might have commented on how you look or how you appear. What does people say about you? And you know what? Living under other people's classifications of you, other people's criticism of you, can hurt. Because it's not the real you. It's not the person living a life of joy. It's living under someone else's expectation of you. Remember what I talked of expectation in the beginning? It's not how I thought it was going to be. When you're living to please someone else or to be approved of by someone else, it's hard work. If you know me long enough, you'll know I wanted to be a people pleaser and I worked at it really, really well. So well. People, I could do some really good people pleasing. I could get thanked Do you know what, though? It was fake. It's easy to people, please. It's harder to be real. But in being real, that's where we walk in the fullness of time. We walk in the reality of who God has called us to be, looking at what is before you. Thanks, Lumi, I hear you. It's looking at what's before you, not living according to what someone else expects or demands of you. Then he goes on to talk about this public and private thing. Well, I've heard, on good regard by Trevor, that where you are in one place is who you'll be in another place. So, it works like this. We're at home watching a TV programme. Could just be the pottery throwdown, because I'm quite into that one. You have to put a pin number in for that one, but I don't understand why. But it says it's after nine o'clock. So when I have to do stuff like that, I'm aware that when the children walk in, I'll pause it. The little feet come downstairs after nine o'clock. Yes, more little feet like yours. Mom, can I have a deep discussion about the creation of the world? Okay, fine. Why did you have to pause the TV? Oh, because it said it was after nine o'clock and it said there might be... Well, it's after nine o'clock. Well, can't I watch it with you? Mm, No. Okay, I'll get you a drink, I'll get your biscuit, we'll have our deep theological discussion about everything that's created and everything yet to come. You know what they're like in the middle of the night, huh? So, I began to think, if I'm like this in one place and I'm getting called up by my own children, what am I like in other places? I know it's a really like silly example, but how you are to one person is how you are to a lot of people. And if you're putting your people-pleasing hat on, or if you're putting all kinds of masks on, 
take them off and be the real you. And if there's issues that you keep having friction with other people, where you are in private or where you are in public, that's where you can say, God, would you fill me? Would you transform me from the inside out so I could be a blessing to others rather than an irritation? Does that make sense to you? I don't know if she's here today, but I've had a friend uh, in church and she says, I work for the NHS, which she absolutely loves her job. Don't hear anything about that in this part. She said, I just find it really difficult when I really want to pray for somebody and I can't. And you know how you have a code of conduct in your workplace. And I said, could you be the kindest person to them right now? Could you be the most patient? Could you be loving and, I said kind, could you understand a situation? Have you just noticed I've given you some of the fruits of the spirit? Could you be joyful? Could you lift up their head by saying certain phrases? So even though they're bound by a contract and a terms and conditions, you can still (laughs) walk in the fruits and the fullness of God. Maybe you're teachers. Maybe there's other um, contracts you've signed where you can't have an altar call in in your workplace. (laughs) Maybe there's situations where you think, but I just want to tell them about Jesus. Be like Jesus. And if you think, how can Jesus come and affect my home? How can he affect the people I work with? How can he affect the people I live with if it's not family? Be like Jesus. You know where I started when I started and I said he had the news and he went away. And right then he was filled with compassion. Living like Jesus means that you can hear something and you can be filled, ready to go into the next situation or with the next people. I've talked about um, being classified, compared and commenting and commending. And don't we so often want to seek other people's opinion of us? I've heard that when you get to your 40s and 50s, you care way less about it. So bring it on. Is that true, friends? (laughs) I hope so. I feel like teens and 20s, we're so, as we nearly got a teenager in the house, we're so aware of the time it takes to get ready. We're so aware of of the perfect uh, presentation of a character. We're so aware of of what other people think of us. (sighs) Can you breathe it out? Can we let it go? Can we say, God, you're the one who is pleased with me. That is exactly what Jesus was said of by his father. And I'll say it of you now. Jesus came out of the water after his baptism and father spoke in one translation. It says, with a booming voice from heaven, I am pleased with you. You're my beloved. Oh, and in you, I'm well pleased. Friends, if you start doubting, if you start wanting affirmation from others, from inferior pleasures, stop. Breathe in his great love for you, his unending joy, his unending love and his fullness of heaven to fill you right where you're at so that you can go from that desolate place into a life filled with compassion. You'll have heard that comparison is the thief of joy and it is. You can compare up and feel rubbish and you can compare down and also feel rubbish. 
You can compare yourself with where you've been and to where you're going. And you know it's when you look on the timeline of your life that if you start taking a track of it, if you look at the chapters or the books of your life that you've written, you'll see that God's hand of faithfulness has been upon you from the moment of birth. From the moment where he called your name when you became a Christian. From the moment when you were filled with the Spirit to the very moment that you're sat right here now. Then it says, boast in the limits. I know, I heard you. I know you were silent, but I heard you go, boast? We're not meant to boast. Well, you can boast in the limits that God's assigned to you. Where is that? Where is your place of joy? Where are the things that you do that you get great joy from? Maybe it is in your job. Maybe it is in your your family life. Maybe it is in the exercise. Maybe it's in reading or doing or helping or serving. However you find joy, it's in that place that you know, God has got me planted in a good place. And when it's hard, you keep reminding yourself of those good times so that you can look back on the timeline of your life knowing That God has a life of fullness for me. Now there was another part, which is why I needed the prop. And it it talks about not overextending yourself. For we are not overextending ourselves. Have you heard about a life that's stretched? Or do you live a life that's stretched? Some of our mornings start very early. Most of our mornings start very early. We've got three children to drop off at various places. We've got food shopping to be done. We've got work to get to. We've got people to see. We've got things to manage. We've got things in the evening and some days. That's not every day. I want you to know we do have a very good life. But some days, as you know, are very, very full. I've got three cups here. And I've got a jug of red, cool, liquid. Now, sometimes this can represent what we've got in our tank for the day. We're just waking up, we're getting started. Here we are, I'm going to label our cups. We've got a work life, we've got a family life, and we've got our emotional life. So we're about to head to work. We're thinking about all the things we've got to do, all the meetings we've got to do, all the people, the places, the things, the stuff, the emails oh, wait, we've also got a family. We've got to make breakfast. We've got to make lunches. We've got to get on taking them to school. Got to have a think about myself. Got to maybe have a pray this morning. I've got to... Oops. (laughs) It's one of those days. It's a bit, though. Walk into work. Hi, how are you? Okay, this is a fictional character. Okay, just in case you think this is my life right now, okay? Oh, you look great. Look at your outfit. Oh, are you able to run all those meetings? Are you able to like keep the notes? Can you do the minutes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you tick off all the things on your task list? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Oh, it's lunchtime. Can't take a lunch break. Got to keep on going. Got to keep on going. Goodness me. Work's hard. You get home, you think... I wish I'd have spent a bit of time with my children. I wish I'd have been able to read them a bedtime story. I've got to turn my laptop on and get back to it all. Could have had tea with my husband. Oh, it's not much. It's not going to be great conversation tonight, is it? We're real. You live in our house kind of like that, don't you? (laughs) Or 
Okay, so tomorrow is going to be different. You know, when you go to bed and you start thinking about tomorrow and you think, tomorrow will be different. I'll go to, I'll go for a run first thing. That feels good. Whatever, however you feel good. Remember I talked about your joy? Maybe running for you would be awful. Do what you feel is joy for your emotions. <laughs> I'll make sure I can get the children at the right time. Might be a bit late for work though. Oops. Do you see when we're running from, when we're filled with one amount, one tank, something is always going to end up dry. Something is always going to end up stretched overworked, overextended. However, have faith. What does the last part say? God can see you. He sees you behind the scenes. There's a song we sing like that. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Don't know if you saw I had this. The unending supply of the Holy Spirit. Filling you, there's one verse that says, with all of heaven's fullness. Poured out. You had an extra moment. Enjoying every moment. You had a moment with God. You had a moment where you were able to replay the worship on YouTube. You had a moment where you could pray. A moment with a friend where you really encouraged each other in God. Or someone sent you a text message with an encouraging Bible verse. However it is, you are filled with God, he fills you. He made you unique so that he could fill you uniquely. Don't start comparing and classifying yourselves against another and the way that they get filled by God. Yes, we come here as a gathered church. Yes, you've got the opportunity to message each other, to encourage one another, to get to life groups together. But also you've got the opportunity to experience God for yourself and to be filled with him. Family time, no problem to God. He'll fill all of that. Work, want to do well, want to meet targets, want to have time for people. He'll fill you with that. I don't trust myself, but I would pour it out to overflowing. But hey, there's a carpet here and I don't know how stainy this is. But do you get the picture? He's still full. He has more than enough endless supply so that even in your stretch, even when you feel like you're overextended, God has more joy, more fullness, more supernatural, unending supply for you so that even if your cup's feeling empty, he will fill it. Sometimes, it, like I said, it doesn't look how you expected. Remember last weekend, Ryan and I received the mantles with the peonies on? Of course I had to investigate what those peonies meant. They are planted in the ground for three to five years until they bloom. Three to five years. Three years ago we moved house. Three to five years. Where were you five years ago? Where were you this time last year? Where were you this time three years ago? Sorry, I'm using that phrase, where were you this time? That's what it says in the Bible. This time tomorrow, you will. This time next year, I'll return. And that, the prophet said she will have had a baby. This time, where are you in the timings of God? 
And I want to tell you how you can move from the right here, the right now, where you're caught in a moment, and you can move into, sorry, you can move from a moment into the movement, where you are right now, to where God has you on the timeline of your future. Remember I said in the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 that the disciples said they've got nothing to eat. And it was as though their little became fullness. I don't even know how big a crowd of 5,000 looks like to my little brain. But I know that's a lot, a lot, a lot of hungry mouths because that wasn't counting all the women and the children So in that moment, there was a moment of purpose which opened the movement of God's promise. You may know the purpose for your life. You may be asking, God, would you show me the purpose for my life? And you know he's so faithful, he will. You may be saying, God, you've given me this promise for my life. What is happening And I want to tell you that there is a time of fullness where the purposes and the promises will converge and God will move you from where you are right now into the movement he has for you. I'm not saying big things like moving of houses. I'm not saying that kind of thing. I'm just saying, you know, when you start getting the traction, when you start moving from a moment, I know I've done a story before about when I, uh, my car went forward without my knowledge. I had the clutch in wrong. But this time, I was parked up here um, on one of these spaces. And we changed cars. My old car didn't have a handbrake. I don't know why. Like, I do like a handbrake with a car. You know, like one of those kind. I just saw your face as you like. It didn't. Was it automatic? It had a pull-up handbrake. So my new car had a pull-up handbrake. And my old car did it automatically. I don't know how but that's okay. So I pulled in here and I forgot which car I was in. Can you imagine me? Yes, I did. I ran and I grabbed that steering wheel. I don't even know if that's a safe place to hold the whole weight of your car. (laughs) Anyway, about that. So (laughs) I leaned and held at the steering wheel with one hand and I pulled the brake with another Someone nearby, none of our friends. I I was panicking. I was thinking, gosh, I just actually saw my car in the transformation centre. And I tried to explain to everybody in my head how this had happened. And all I could think of was my old car didn't have a handbrake. And this car does. (laughs) Someone saw me. I know there's friends who's done this, isn't there? (laughs) No, it's just me. Okay. So... Someone saw me and said, that didn't happen. I said, I know. No, I didn't. I said, but it nearly did. I know it didn't happen, but it nearly did. And he said, seriously, I've never seen this person before or again. Get over it. It didn't happen. I was like, but it nearly did. And then I'm like, stop talking person. Stop, stop, stop. Like, just don't. I'd created my whole car, pulling down the whole transformation center. I'm not that good, am I? <laughs> and I'd, time had stopped still. You know when you're in a crisis, time can do that, can't it? It kind of like pauses in your head and then you get into your action. I've lost my points. Caught in a moment, the handbrake, the car, replay, it didn't happen. That was a fear. Your moment affects your season. Remember how when I pulled that handbrake on, it stopped. But my head went ahead and created the 
scenario. Are you overcreating? <laughs> you can tell I've got an over, overactive imagination. I do write, so I have a safe, very safe outlet. Have you, do you need to step into the moment of God's purpose for you? Do you need God's promise to be opened over your life afresh? It's when we move from the moment into the movement, which is the fullness of time. I was wondering how I was going to move this into ministry. And I was looking up about the Kairos and the Kronos times. Kairos is the appointed fixed time in the purpose of God. You know your timeline. It's when you are in a moment of purpose. It's a, it opens a moment of opportunity. We can measure it. We know it's set. It's a fixed, appointed time. And then there's chronos. And that's, you can think of it in the word chronolo- chronological. You can think of it like a sequence, a succession of movement. Now you need both. You need the kairos, the fixed, appointed times of God. You also need the succession of movement, which gets you started into the very next things in the timeline that God has for you. So where you've been limited in lack or you've lacked joy, in your moment of asking, Jesus, would you fill me? Jesus, I bring you this is all I have, like that little boy. And Jesus says, let me have it. That is the appointed time, your moment with God. A moment of purpose, which starts a succession of movement. God wants to move you into the fullness of time. He wants you to know, he knows your every moment. He wants you to enjoy every moment. And he wants wants to move you from a moment into the movement. I'm so excited of how lives are going to be transformed because in saying, yes, I've, I've had my encounter with God, I know this is my moment of purpose. That's what starts the sequence. I'll tell you what it looks like. You get five or ten minutes extra in your day and you say, God, what shall I do now? That was me in a coffee shop just this week. We'd had a bit of time together. Ryan had to get off to an appointment in Birmingham. And I said, I'll just, I'll wait here afterwards. Like not in a depressed wife, eh? That wasn't that one. I'll wait here is what I said. It's fine. I I thought I've got half an hour. I think I'll just sit still. While we were still together, a lady came up to us and I've never met her yet. And she said, can I sit here? I said, yeah, of course you can. Ryan was about to leave and then... Right, and said, shall I go now? Would you want me to wait a bit? I said, I think it's fine. I think, Lord, I think God brought her to me. Why? I'd made time. Who's serving you in a checkout queue? You've got time. Who's next to you right now? Check on them. See if you know them. <laughs> yeah, you know each other? <laughs> 
There's a moment of time. And if we look at our 24 hours, I know some of them will be asleep and I know some of them I'll be eating. Um, There is a Kairos moment within your day that God has appointed you. He's appointed your time. So if you wear a watch or you click your phone to know the time or you look up at clocks, there's a moment of purpose that God has ordained and he wants to fill. Yes, you can be filled every moment, but within your day, would you ask God, what are you filling so that I can pour out? Who knows where your conversation will go? If it goes towards God, amazing. If it's an encouraging word, amazing. If it's a prophetic word, amazing. Do what God is asking of you so that you can enjoy every moment. And even when you're in the stretch, you can reach your hands up to heaven and ask him to fill you with his unending supply. And that is how I want to bring us into communion. When I was talking about Jesus being the one who turned small loaves into bread to feed 5,000. That lined up with who he said he was. He says, I am the bread of life. If anyone comes to me, they'll not be hungry and they'll never thirst again. Maybe in your moment, you're hungering after the things of God. Maybe in your moment, you're thirsty for a fresh pouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's parts of your life where you've said, I've, I've I just want to know God again. That is how I want you to take communion. Because in taking of communion, it says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he stood before his disciples and he broke the bread, which represents the body of Jesus. It's in his breaking, in his one moment at the cross, that brought the fullness of time for all of humanity. In that one moment, Jesus began a movement which shapes your life and mine.